much. So let's get into it today. We're starting a brand new series today, and I am very excited to be kicking it off. I'm For those of you that don't know, I'm sorry, I'm Pastor Brad. I'm the associate pastor, executive pastor, and whatever kind of pastor you need me to be at Transformation Church. Uh, and so we are excited to be kicking this series off. So we're talking about serve. Turn to your neighbor and say, serve. That's right. I felt like you meant it. That's very good. The eight o'clock service is alive and well today. We're going to be talking about serve. So get out your sermon notes. You should have got those on the way in the door. And we're going to start to get into uh, today's conversation. James 2, 14 through 17 uh, says this. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Now, I want to be uh, very uh, mindful of what the word faith here means. So a lot of times we hear people talk about, well, faith without works is dead. And so they refer it to looking for supernatural healings or provision. But that's not the faith that James is talking about here. He's saying, if you have faith in Christ, if you've been transformed by the life-changing power of Jesus, if he's renewed you, if he's made you a brand new creation. So if you've put your faith in the cross, if you've put your faith in Christ, but you don't have anything to show for it, what good is that? Uh, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, they say, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled without giving them things they need for their body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And so what James is talking about here is he's not saying that because you do good things, you are saved. What James is saying is because you are saved, you should be doing good things. And so sometimes in the church, we've done two different things to this text. Either number one, we've said that, well, if you're going to have faith and believe God to do something supernatural for you, you need to be out doing things so that you can get that supernatural blessing. And I'm not saying that that's incorrect. I'm just saying that's not what James is talking about here at all. The other side of the things that we've done or seen in the church is that, well, if you want all of these things to happen for you, or if you want to be saved, you got to do enough good things to earn being saved. And James is saying the opposite in that as well. Uh, and we see the apostle Paul write later in the New Testament and confirms that, that we are not saved by our works in Romans 5, but we are saved by our faith alone in Jesus Christ, right? So what James is saying is not that you have to have works to be saved. Again, he's saying because you are saved, because an abundant grace, a gift that you did not deserve and could not earn was poured out on you. And now you're able to walk in a grace that you had no right or access to, but Jesus freely gave it to you because he's given you that. Now you should go and give and serve those around you. And so today we're going to look at serving, but not just serving uh, the title of this message is that we need to understand that serving is a gospel mandate. It is a requirement of the gospel that we go out and be the impact in our community. See, we as a church believe, and it's, it's deeply rooted in our hearts, that we are far more concerned with the people that we're trying to reach than the people we're trying to keep. 
I'm going to say that again. We are far more concerned with the people we're trying to reach than the people we're trying to keep. In, in other words, it's not that we don't want to spend time with you. As a matter of fact, we've created small groups and we've created a lot of things that are available to make sure that you get the help that you need when you need it. But listen, our number one responsibility as a church is to take the gospel to a hurting world that needs to hear about a Jesus that cannot just change their monetary life, but change their eternal being. So our goal as a church is to go into this. So we're, not, we're going to spend far more more time trying to change people's hearts outside of this place so that they can radically see Jesus than we are going to be trying to pamper those that are in the house. I know that's a tough pill for some of y'all to swallow. So that's the reason, and I just wanted to say it, man, that's the reason that sometimes we've had brothers in the hospital over the past few weeks, man, and myself and pastor have both gotten ready to either go to their house or go see them, and they're like, don't even worry about it. There's like seven guys here now from the church, and we're like, okay, good, because we just finished three services and we're falling asleep at the wheel. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. So my whole point is, but it's up to not just us, not just staff, but it's up to all of us to get out there and serve with the message of Jesus Christ in our hearts. And so let's look at it today because the gospel requires it. Here's what I want you to understand, and this is even in your notes. A life centered on the cross forces your actions to be placed at the service of those without Jesus. In other words, you can be religious, you can be a churchgoer, you can be the type of person that just wants to check your boxes throughout the week, like, hey, I read my Bible today, we're good, you know, uh, I prayed for five minutes, we're good, I went to church on Sunday, we're good. And if that's your mode of thinking, I'm not telling you that that's completely bad. What I'm telling you is the Christian life should stir up so much more than that, that we get to walk out on a daily journey. And so a life centered on the cross, a life that has, doesn't have to look very hard to recognize what Jesus did in my life, that type of life is centered on taking the gospel to people without Jesus and serving them in whatever capacity we can. Because the other flip side of that is that we shouldn't spend all of our time trying to get things out of our need. You know, I'll I'll help you fix your fence if you come to church on Sunday. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I mean, I might try that too, but I'm just saying... But that shouldn't be, well, I don't know if I'm going to come to church on Sunday. Well, I don't know if I'm going to fix your fence then. You know, like, no, fix the fence. You know what I'm saying? We have to get to a point that we understand we're going to serve those around us, take care of those around us. And in turn, we're going to live out the gospel that we pray that one day they'll come into the knowledge of. All right. So a life centered on the cross forces your actions to be placed at the service of those without Jesus. So number one, I think before we can talk heavily about serving, we need to understand why we need to serve. And we need to recognize that there is a call for every single one of us to serve. People come to me all the time. Well, I just, you know, I don't, I don't have that gifting of serving people. Yeah, you do. Yes, you do. Because <laughs> you have to recognize there's a call of God on your life that in some shape, form, or fashion, in some capacity, we should be serving in the faith. And I'm going to show you in just a few minutes, but number one, we have to recognize the call. And in recognizing the call, you have to understand that you got served. Now, for those of you that were born between 1984 and 1994, this is hilarious. For the rest of you, you have no idea why we're laughing. So it was a very cheesy movie with dancers. So it was, but you got, you got served, right? But 
in this context, in this capacity, what we have to understand, because I think if we can have a correct view and a correct concept of the cross, then it enables us and empowers us to understand in a greater capacity exactly why we need to go out and be the service. And and, and in our gospel class, we talked this week about this exact topic, about what Christ did in us and for us. Because what we have to understand is that how many of you don't have to look back very far to recognize where grace was an absolute necessity in your life, right? I don't got to go back 30 years. I got to go back like 30 minutes, you know what I mean? Like 30 days to recognize, man, where Jesus found me back there, my God, you know, for, for some of you, Jesus found you, you know, he found you in the, the Macy's and the Saks Fifth of life. And some of us, he found us in the pawn shops or in the gutter of life. But guess what? No matter where he found us, the absolute necessity of grace to be forgiven of our sins is still required through Jesus Christ in our heart. So we look back at that. So, but here's what happened on the cross. I think if we paint a good picture of this, it helps us understand that no matter what God asks of us, we'll volunteer do it. Because on the cross, Jesus died. But Jesus, when he gave his life, we have to understand that number one, that God had set aside a wrath for sin. That, that because of our sinful nature and because we live a life in sin, because we didn't know Christ, so we were away from him and we were in sin, that God wanted us to know him. So he sent Jesus to pay a price for us that we couldn't pay for ourselves, which we've talked about before. So Jesus died for us But what happened is all the wrath that God had set aside for sin, God in that moment poured that wrath out on his son, Jesus, on the cross. And then all of the delight that God had set aside for his son. How many of you have children, right? How many maybe, if you don't have children, maybe you have nieces or nephews and they're just the cutest things in the world, right? (laughs) Those you get to give back though, you know? Like, you're so cute. Here, take it. I don't want it anymore, you know? But... We have, how many guys know that there is a delight in that child, in that niece, in that nephew that you have for it? Can I tell you something? God had that same delight for his son, Jesus, when he walked the earth. But when Jesus died on the cross, God then took the delight in his son and placed it on us. Because when Jesus paid the price for us, He now took that delight, put it on us, and when God looks at us, he no longer sees all the stuff in our past that we wish weren't there. All he sees is the reflection of his son. And so what we have to understand is if if we're going to know the necessity of serving, we have to know the necessity, or we have to know and understand the reality of what God sees when he looks at us. So God's not just asking us to serve, he's asking Christ in us to serve. And so we got served. Romans 3, 25 and 26 says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice for atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and be the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. And so what Romans 3 is saying is God, because of his righteousness, because of his holiness, had to have someone pay the debt for us. So he sent his son to do it instead of forcing us to do it. Now, Adam, on you, it doesn't take me very long. Uh, rewind for a second. For those of you that do have kids, let's use that analogy again. For those of you that do have kids, how many of you have ever asked them to do something and they kind of smirked back at you like, I don't want to do that? 
How many of you are like, I don't remember asking you if you want to do it at all, right? Like, <laughs> I, I didn't ask you your opinion or how you felt about doing it. I'm just telling you to do this. And so what we see is this, God has that same mentality for us. And why do you feel that way? It's like uh, the roof over your head, the electricity, the water, the food, the food, the food. No, <laughs> you know, why do you, why do you feel that way? You, because you as the parent are entitled because you've already paid the price for them to have access to all this, right? Well, God is coming in and saying, no, no, no. I want you to serve. I want you to take the gospel. I want you to be the hands and feet of Christ. I want you to serve those around you in your communities, in your church. I want you to serve them and tell them about Jesus. But some of us are over here like, well, I just don't know how I feel about that. And God's going, I don't, I didn't ask you how you felt about it. Because you've already got the power. You've already got, I've, the roof is over your head. Grace is over your head. The Christ is over you. In other words, I'm not asking you how you feel about it. I'm telling you to go do it. So the amens are getting lower now because, uh, oh, uh, oh, yeah. Matthew 20, 26 through 28 says, but whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for so many. Listen, if we are going to walk out trying to act like Christ and try to proclaim Christ, we better be doing the things of Christ. Amen. And serving. Number two, you have to recognize that you have the call that you have the call. The call of God is on your life to take the gospel to every place that you can and be an impact in someone's life. But some of us have set aside this mindset and set aside this mentality that as soon as I accomplish all of these things that God didn't call me to, then I'll start doing the things that God did call me to. And you'll recognize that as long as you're pursuing Listen, I'm not telling you you shouldn't have a career. I'm not telling you you shouldn't have these things. I had a great career before I became a full-time pastor. I loved what I did, and God was, I was well compensated, and the blessings of God were all over my life. But what I'm saying is it never took priority over the most important thing that was given to me, and that was be a servant of Christ. But some of us have to recognize that you have the call and yes, I think that you are supposed to be a Christian witness on your job. You are supposed to be a Christian witness in society. You are supposed to do all those things, but they should never become more of a priority than being what Jesus called you to be first. Serving in the capacity that Jesus called you to serve to first. But some of us have uh, pursued uh, a call and spent all of our time, our effort, our money, our energy, our passion, our pursuit, and resources trying to accomplish and acquire jobs, money, careers, and tangible things in our life that God never called us to acquire. Many of us are focused on ourselves and our lives have completely negated the servanthood of Christ. And this is one thing, it doesn't make me angry. It, it, it actually makes me feel almost compassion and a burden for people to watch them walk in Christ, know Christ, and not serve anyone around them in any capacity for Christ. We have to go out and be the gospel to those that need to hear it. Many of us are walking in the faith of Christ, but we're not walking in the ways of Christ. Matthew 19, 21 through 22 says, Jesus said to them, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. 
When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. If you've been saved long, or if you've been in the church long, you've heard the story of the rich young ruler. And he comes to Jesus, he says, hey, I wanna follow you. And Jesus is like, well, you need to do all of these things. He's like, oh, I do all those things. I follow all the laws, I've obeyed my parents, I've done all that. He's like, okay, then go sell everything you have and follow me. And the scripture says that he went away sorrowful. Why? Because he had many things. He was wealthy. And how many of us are getting the call of God on our life that we need to go out and do this? And we're saying, yeah, but I don't know. Let's just leave that to the, you know, the churchy folks. How many of us is God saying, listen, I want you to work one less day a week so that you can have one less, you know, this many less things this year, but I want you to create an impact in someone else's life for the gospel this year. Listen, I'm not the person up here telling you need to go live in a shack. All right, that ain't me, because I'm not living in a shack. <laughs> we have, I have a nice house. My, my wife, she's beautiful. We have a beautiful baby boy. We have two dogs that are like horses. We have a nice house. We got, listen, so I'm not telling you that you need to abandon everything that you want in your life. What I'm telling you is it can't become the priority over everything Jesus called you to. There has to be a balance of, man, this is what I want to pursue in life, but it's not going to overshadow the great call of God in my life. I'm gonna be a servant for the kingdom. And number three is that you have to recognize that the call has a cost. The call has a cost. See, a lot of us wanna be known in the kingdom, but we don't wanna pay the price of what it means to be known in the kingdom. And so the call has a cost, but it's a cost that is worthy of the call. Matthew 13, 44 says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. So I want to, want you to imagine for a second uh, with me that you're walking through a field, right? Men, you're walking through a field and you, you stumble upon a treasure. And when you see that treasure, right? You can't just take the treasure. So you rebury the treasure, you go into town and you just start selling everything that you own, right? And all your friends are looking at you like, are you crazy? You're like, why are you selling all your stuff? Well, I'm going to go buy that field over there. Why are you going to buy the field over there? Now, guess what? It doesn't make sense to the people that haven't found the treasure. And so some of you are gauging whether or not you're going to serve and pursue the treasure based on people that don't know the value of the field. Well, that don't make any sense to work less so that you can give more to the kingdom. It does if you know what the treasure is. What well, doesn't make sense to, to sell everything you have and start pursuing? It makes sense if you know where the treasure is. Because the Bible is abundantly clear that we that are in Christ are not storing up our treasures here on earth, but we're storing up our treasures in heaven. Amen. So it makes sense. So he goes, he sells all his possessions, but he sells very little compared to the treasure. So he sells everything he has to go and buy the field. But in buying the field, he got the greater treasure than what he ever sold. You with me? Now, all the ladies in the house, if you're married, you have two questions. Number one, how come he was able to put the treasure right back in the same spot he found it, but he can't put his jeans six inches farther over to the right to get him in the hamper? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> more importantly, they want to know, like, why, what is this treasure? Where is this field? How do you know? Was Bobby with you when he found it? 
Why are you selling everything we have? Couldn't you just sell 50% of what we have? Wait a second. Anyways, y'all know what I'm talking about. The real deal is this. When you understand the treasure, you don't mind selling what you have to buy the field. But we get so caught up. I don't don't want to let go of what I have, but I still want the treasure. And God is saying, no, no, no. Either let go of what you have and pursue the treasure or forget about the treasure and hold on to what you have. But at some point, you got to make a decision. What are you going to do with this life that you've been given? And so we choose the call, right? So where do I start? Well, we want to give you a a few different ways that you can see this today. Number one is we want you to know that you can serve in-house. Serve in-house. Romans 12, 5 says, So in Christ, we, though many, Form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And so what we have here is, is it's just the heartbeat of the church. And that is, hopefully, when you walked in today, you felt the love by somebody standing at the door. Eight o'clock service, it's usually Brother Kenny back there. I see you, Kenny. Our greeters are rock stars here at Transformation Church, by the way. So uh, you, you probably felt the love of Christ by either our greeters or our ushers or somebody out there when you came in. And guess what? Every single person on the dream team at Transformation Church has the same passion, and that is to show you the love of Christ and whatever area that they serve in. So whether it's with the kids, whether it's with the greeting at the door, whether it's the worship team, that whether it's in the nursery, the usher, wherever it is at, their job, their whole passion is to show you that Jesus Christ is alive strictly by serving you in some shape, form, or fashion. And that is awesome. The reason we do it that way is because a lot of us have a special gift, something that God has given us that enables us to do that that way. You want to know what my gift is not? Children. Like, you would not be excited to drop your child off if I were serving in the children's ministry. You'd be like, why did all the kids duct tape Pastor Brad and stick him in a corner? I don't know what happened. They all got out of control. Anyways, so, but God has gifted you with something, a way that when someone walks in this building, when someone walks on this campus, you can automatically be the hands and feet and the smile or the pamphlet giver or the usher or the worship team member that someone looks at and says, I don't know what they got, but whatever they've got, I want it. Because Christ is resounding from within you. And then you get to serve them in the very gifting that God gave you. And so on the dream team, you have the ability to serve. Galatians 6.10 says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So what are we saying? We're saying we've got spots that we want you to fulfill your purpose. See, our our desire as a church is not like, hey, let's get as many people as we can to come and help us out with these projects. No, we believe that God's genuine desire for you is to live the most fulfilled life possible in Christ. Would you guys agree with that? 
And so what we believe is because God built you specifically. See, a lot of people think that you just wandered through life, picking up giftings along the way. And so you might be able to use that to help somebody. No, God designed you exactly the way you are with the giftings that you have so that you can now use those giftings to help serve people in the kingdom. And so we as a church wanna take you exactly where you are and we wanna plug you in with your giftings, with what God has gifted you to do. And we wanna put you in a place to where you can be the impact in someone else's life and you can serve. And you can do exactly what we're talking about today. Serve people in a way that's going to impact them with the love of Christ. And one of the greatest places to do that, I love doing that here. I like doing it outside of here, but there's something awesome about standing next to the person that you know has the same gifting and the same passion as you and impacting someone else's life together. See, I like impacting people's life, but I like being on a team with the same passions and all of us doing it together. That means the world to me. And so uh, tonight, if you're available, tonight at six o'clock right here in the sanctuary, we're starting our grow track. How do we help people find that purpose? How did God build you? Our grow track is the way that we do it. So tonight at six o'clock, if you have not attended grow track, come out. Let us help you discover what God built you to do and let us help you get plugged into the way that you can do it and be the kingdom, and be the hands and feet of Christ right here in the body that he's designed you for. Number two, we want you to understand that you can serve locally. Serve locally. It almost feels like a missions message, I know, for those that have been in the church long enough. But can I tell you something? In the Bible, God did many things. He told different people to go do different things, and it's very easy. But one thing that God did not give any of us as believers an option to do is to take the faith and serve those around us. That's not optional. It's not dependent upon your gifts. That's for everyone. And so this month with our Serve series, we're going to hone in on being the impact. Could you imagine? There's 450-ish to 550-ish people in this church on any given Sunday, depending on how many of you are at the beach or out of town. So (laughs) with those numbers, could you imagine if all 450 to 550 of us went into the community with the intention and the mentality that I'm going to serve every person I come in contact with, with the love of Jesus Christ? Talk about making a difference in our communities. Let me tell you something. The governor, the mayor, the police chief, none of them are going to make the difference that can be made if all of us catch a hold of what it means to serve our community and be the difference in our community. And that's what we're striving for. So you can serve locally. James 1.27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this. Now, before we go any further... I want to, again, religion. James uses code words that if we're not careful, we'll look at but we'll not understand. See, when we, in 2016, when we read the word religion, our mind is defaulted to a negative context. So religion, like the religious crowds. When he's talking about religion, he's talking about faith in Christ. He's talking about a true pursuit after Jesus. So he's saying a true rooted believer in faith in Christ that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself a stain from the world. Now he's not, James also is not talking exclusively about widows and orphans. So let's just find all the widows and orphans and forget everyone else. That's not what James is saying. What James is saying is that we go out and we look for those to help those who can't help themselves. 
So whether it's someone in your neighborhood, it could be a guy or it could be a man, it could be a woman, it could be whatever that needs help. Your, our responsibility is to go and help them, serve them, love them exactly where they are. No conditions, no pre-qualifications, but strictly be uh, Christ to them as far as showing them love, showing them compassion, serving them. And then as we serve them and they say, thank you, say, oh, no, 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 you don't have to thank me. See, I'm showing you the same love that was showed to me because I got served going back to point one of the message. I'm just, I'm serving out of love and compassion because I was served in love and compassion when I didn't deserve it. So just know Jesus loves you. And if you ever want the hope of Christ, if you ever want someone to talk to you about that, you let me know. And serve in a way that stirs up a difference and those that are around you. One of the best ways that you can do that is um, on our serve team, July 16th. I want all of you to write that down. July 16th, you want to be a part of serve day, July 16th. Let me tell you, if you have never saw the joy on a seven-year-old's face as you hand them a sandwich or a drink or a bag of cookies, if you've never seen the joy on uh, one of our older saints' face whenever we go to mow their lawn or fix their fence, if you've never seen the joy on a nurse's face when we go into the hospital and we hand out brownies and cookies uh, to a group of women or men that, quite frankly, all they do is get yelled at most of the time, but we walk in and say, hey, we just want to honor you today and tell you that we love you. Thank you for what you're doing. We're from Transformation Church, and we just want to, we just want you to know that we love you today. And here's something special to show you that God loves you. Listen, whether it's the child, whether it's the older saint, whether it's the whatever it is, there is no greater joy than seeing hope come into someone's face and be the difference in their life. It's a huge opportunity. So on July 16th, right as a matter of fact. Right after today's service in the lobby, our girls are gonna have the laptop set up and we've already got a huge list of opportunities for you that you can serve on July 16th. It's gonna be phenomenal. I know we're looking at setting up prayer teams in the chapel of the hospital. We're gonna be taking things to nurses. We're gonna be going into waiting rooms and telling people, hey, if you want prayer, if there's something we can do for you as a church, some people, some of them are out of town and some of them are locals. We're gonna say, come down to the chapel. Let us pray for you. Let's see what we can do for you as a church. We're gonna be going to people's houses and taking care of yards. We're gonna be taking care of fences. We're going to be going uh, to school. I, I don't even know anymore. There's a list, but make sure you get plugged into something and let's be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community and let's create change in our community. All right. So look for those opportunities, sign up today. And then lastly, number three is that we serve abroad. I put abroad because that could be a number of different things. It could be nationally. Um, sometimes I think we as, a, we as a church, the institution of the church, the, the national church, the, the church as a whole, sometimes we look at the church as a whole and, and we say, man, we need to go to Thailand. We need to go to uh, Peru, which we need to go to Thailand and we need to go to Peru. We need to go to you know, China. We need to go to Japan. We need to go to South Africa. And we do. But how many guys know that there is a lack of hope for Jesus Christ right here in the United States as well? <laughs> and so we need to go into the hurting places of our nation. So yeah, let's go to Thailand. We've got groups going to Peru next week. <laughs> We've got Thailand. We've got Peru, China, South Africa, uh, um, uh, Laos, so many 
So many opportunities to go internationally and take the gospel, and then there's opportunities to go nationally, to go around our nation and take the gospel. But here's the deal. We need to recognize that we can't just serve Christ inside of our own little bubble, inside of our own little city. Now, what does that mean? That means next week you all need to get on a bus and go to a different country. No, I'm just kidding. That is not what I'm saying, okay? If God calls you to do that, then do that. But there's ways that we can be and serve abroad even if our feet never touch soil, whether you support financially, whether you support through prayer. Listen, we've got teams that go to Peru every year. We've got missionaries in Laos. And let me just let me also say this. A portion of your giving now already supports them. And that's the awesome part. Some of you have been supporting missionaries in Peru and Laos and, and uh, Vietnam with John and Julie, different people, all those. Some of you have been supporting them uh, every single week and you don't even know it. Congratulations, all right? You've been serving abroad. So, but there's so many ways that you can do it. So you've already been doing it. But how about now putting some prayer into action when we give? And even considering, man, maybe I need to, maybe I should pray about the Lord taking me somewhere. Maybe I should do a week in Peru. Listen, there are 500,000 orphans in Lima, Peru alone. Under 12 years old? But I think either under 12 or under 14 years old in Lima, Peru alone. I'm telling you what, get off a bus in Peru and have 50 kids, right, Sarah? Come up and hug you around the leg. You're like, well, I'm not going back home, so we're just going to have to find somewhere to live here now. You know what I mean? Like, it's amazing, all right? So find ways that you can serve here in your city. Find ways you can serve in this nation. Find ways that you can serve internationally. So many opportunities that you get to plug into, but you can do it as a part of Transformation Church. Acts 13, 47 says, For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the edges of your city. Is that what it says? No, no, no. It says, to the ends of the earth. To take it to where the, the places that the gospel has never even been heard before. The gospel application on a national scale. Romans 10, 13 through 14 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? But how can they believe in the one who they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And I wanted to close uh, today on this particular verse because it is heavy that we understand that at some point, if you are going to impact the world around you, you are going to have to talk about Jesus Christ. God, never let the day come my prayers never let the day come that we love people to hell because we did so much trying to impact their life, but we never introduced them to the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. The difference that is found in Jesus Christ, the life change, the transformation that is found and can only be found in Jesus Christ. We talked about it in class this past week. We said, what's the difference between Jesus and just about every other religion? And so they all tossed around a few ideas. I said, the reality is many religions ask you for your life. Jesus and Christianity is the only one that he laid it down for you. He paid the price for you to be saved. You don't have to pay the price for yourself. And that hope that rests in Christ alone 
is now what we take to the world and we get to see true life change come for them. So transformation sets in, but how are they gonna believe if they've never heard and how are they gonna hear if no one's preached the gospel and how is someone gonna preach it if they haven't been sent? And I'm telling you right now, today, the whole point of this message is that you would understand that you have been sent. You have the call. And life change that comes through Jesus Christ is in your hands to take to a world that needs to hear about Jesus. All right? Let's pray today. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, as we... Lord, as we listen to this message, we rehearse this message, we hear this message in our minds, God, I pray that we would, Father, recognize the necessity of transformation and life change. God, that, Lord, as we get ready to go into a world that needs to hear about you, God, that we would recognize that our responsibility, God, is to serve, to create the impact, to be the impact, to see life change happen. But the only way that it's gonna happen is that the gospel would be applied both in our words and in our actions, that we take hope to the, to the world that needs to hear about you. But God, today, right now, Lord, you are calling some and we pray. Church, with your eyes closed and no one looking around, here's the opportunity I want you to both receive and understand is this one particular idea, and that is this. We can serve people. We can serve our communities. We can serve our neighbors. We can talk about life change and we can talk about the gospel, but you can't give something that you don't have. Some of you are sitting in here today and maybe your life has been great. Maybe you, you, you have everything that you could want in life. You have a great job. You have a great family. Everything's good. But the reality is that when you die, good works don't get you to heaven. You have to have your faith in Jesus Christ. So you've got a good life, but you don't have the life. You don't have Jesus in your heart. Or maybe you're on the other side of the pendulum. Life is a mess. You're broken. You're hurting. You don't know what's missing, but you know something's missing. But you need something to come in and radically transform your heart. You're like, yeah, I wouldn't mind serving, but I want to know that I'm saved. No matter what side of that you're on, or maybe somewhere in the middle, you say, today, I can feel a tugging on my heart. I don't know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, but I want to. I want to give my heart to God today. If that's you, I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to point you out. Would you just raise your hand? I want to know Jesus. God bless you. Once you put it up, you can put it down. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to point you out. I want to know Jesus today. God bless you. I want him to radically transform my life. And I want to know that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven forever. Is there any more? I want Jesus in my life, Pastor. I want to follow him. God bless you. Here's what we're going to do, church. We're going to pray today. We're going to say this prayer. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. And the whole church is going to do it with you. You're not going to be by yourself. 
all right? But I wanna help you understand something. This prayer does not make you saved. Putting your faith in Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, turning away from those things that are behind and turning towards Jesus Christ and making a passionate pursuit with your faith in what Christ did on the cross to pay for your sins is what makes you saved. Faith and grace alone. But we wanna pray this prayer to acknowledge both to ourselves and to God that we mean it when we put our faith in Christ. So pray this with me, church. Say, dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for saving me. I repent of my wrongs, of my sins. Make me clean, make me pure, make me whole. Take my life and make it yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, put your hands together for all those that pray that perhaps for the very first time. We celebrate with you.